Hello, 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 and welcome to this, the bonus episode of today's FYI. I hope you enjoyed the first part on the Eiffel Tower. I learned so much, as I always do. Remember, my goal is to keep learning as well. So if I learn, I teach you guys, and then I point out the different intricacies or nuances in English, well, then it's a win-win because we're all learning together. So it's awesome to not only have you guys as students, as patrons, but also as friends because we have a lot in common and mainly that we love learning. And I think that's the key. If you fall in love with learning, you're always going to be enriching yourself. It doesn't matter what you learn about as long as you keep your mind active. And nobody knew that like Gustav Eiffel. Man, he was a busybody. Did you know that he worked on Lady Liberty? That's right. If you didn't know that, that means you didn't listen to the Statue of Liberty episode. Hmm, you've got some listening to do. Well, yeah, there's always a Lady Liberty connection, it seems. And the initial designer of the Statue of Liberty, the the guy who was in uh, designing the interior elements, he died a sudden death in 1879. So the sculptor, French sculptor Bartholdi, who was running the building of the Statue of Liberty, hired Eiffel as his replacement. And Gustav Eiffel took over for this man. And if you look at the interior of the Statue of Liberty, it is mind-blowing how similar it is to the Eiffel Tower. And then when you realize that it was the same guy, it all makes sense. Now remember, I'm not talking about the exterior. I'm talking about the structure that keeps her together. The exterior is made of, do you remember? Copper, that's right, cobre. Uh, the interior is exactly like the Eiffel Tower. Okay, the design is different, but if you strip away that copper skin, it's an Eiffel Tower below the Statue of Liberty. And another connection, anybody who's ever been to Paris, France, well, you know that there are Statue of Liberties everywhere. Seriously. <laughs> I remember when I was walking down the street in Paris, and all of a sudden I came across the Statue of Liberty. And I said, what is this? This is strange. And obviously, I had a beautiful view of the Eiffel Tower. So I, I thought in my mind, I said, what a paradox. I'm looking at the Statue of Liberty, and I'm looking at the Eiffel Tower at the same time. And then I looked down, and I remember seeing on the sidewalk there, and all over the, the edge, El Borde, there was graffiti. But there were messages of love and hope. And it said, Diana, Diana, Diana. And I... And then it struck me, me di cuenta, that that was the tunnel where Lady Di lost her life. So uh, it was just a, a surreal moment. And for one moment, I was back in New York City looking at the Eiffel Tower. So it's, uh, it's interesting to know those connections. Remember before I told you that the Eiffel Tower was not designed by Gustav Eiffel? Well... 
technically he worked for him and he was part of his firm but uh, one of his employees an engineer a guy named maurice coachlin designed the eiffel tower and at first gustav eiffel rejected his original sketches he said they were too minimalist and that they needed a little more oomph un poco más de de punch de energía but nonetheless he thought there was something there and he shopped them around and to shop around is venderlo por ahí. And as we said before, Gustav Eiffel was a great salesman. He made contacts wherever he went. He knew people in high society. And he was the one who could get it done. But Maurice Coachland, an engineer that worked for him, supposedly was the guy who did the original sketches and what would be the original design of the Eiffel Tower. Look into it on your own. As I always tell you guys, in an hour, which if you put both episodes together, it's usually about an hour, you can only go over so much. So let's go over some other interesting things, some fun facts. There are more than 30 replicas of the Eiffel Tower worldwide. Vamos a pronunciar esta palabra juntos, worldwide. Yeah, es difícil, eh? <laughs> and you can find the Eiffel Tower in London, obviously in Las Vegas, Pakistan. Uh, they're all over the place. The one in Las Vegas is half scale. Uh, a escala, you say? So we say scale, same thing. A half scale model of the tower. It's at the Paris Las Vegas Hotel. Their original goal was to make it a full size scale model. The only problem was the airport. They decided the zoning people, whoever runs the show, the Chamber of Commerce, I don't know who makes those decisions, they said that it was too close to the airport and that it was not a good idea. But I imagine if they had gotten their way, si hubiesen salido con la suya, it would have been bigger than the Eiffel Tower. Remember, we're talking about Las Vegas, baby. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't listened to the episode on Las Vegas, you've got some listening to do. I'm going to share some pictures of my wife and I at the Eiffel Tower. And a little bit later on, I'll tell you about how I proposed to her with the Eiffel Tower in the background. It was... Uh, very movie-like, you know, it was very, it was like a fairy tale, cuento de hada. But hey, why not? You only do things like that. How many times do we propose in our lifetime? Three, four? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Once, hopefully. <laughs> Con suerte, right? So we all have our pictures in front of the Eiffel Tower, but beware. Be forewarned, you are not allowed to capture this iconic image. Yeah, as of 1989, a French court ruled that you could not take a picture of it, that it did not belong to the public domain. And why? You're thinking, well, it's a public structure. Well, they have something that they put on it, and anybody who's been there since 1989 
will see this. They have a light show and they display like hundreds of lights flashing all over the tower. And this was their loophole, su laguna jurídica, to say this is a work of art. This is protected by copyright. I think it's a low blow. Un golpe muy bajo. I mean, imagine us in New York saying, guys, <clears throat> don't take pictures of the Statue of Liberty. It's like, what? Uh, no pictures of the, the buildings, please. It's like, wait, what, what? what? I mean, come on, a law is a law, but now I doubt they're going to take your pictures off Facebook. But if you make some money or, you know, you're using it in a video, maybe to talk poorly about the city or the Parisians, for example, <laughs> no comment there. Well, maybe they, they will take legal action. They can, uh, as I said, due to this 1989 law. And as I said, the, the, the lights look beautiful, but if it's going to make it that you can't take a photo or video of this iconic structure, well, take those lights down. Who needs them? We want pictures and videos of the Eiffel Tower, especially from the top, the observation deck. That is simply gorgeous. And uh, I remember the first time I went up there. Oh, man. First time I saw the Eiffel Tower, it was from the plane. I was arriving in Paris. So the first time I saw Paris, City of Light, now now I know why they call it City of Light. And there it was, the Eiffel Tower just gleaming and towering over the city. And it was so impressive. And I remember just seeing it from the street and it just towered over everything. Just a reminder of France and you know where you were. That's what I love too. When you're in Paris, you look down the street and you get a glimpse of it, una ojeada, you say, Man, I know where I am. I'm in Paris. And I'll never forget it. I remember the the observation deck was just so, um, you know, so inspiring. I, I was up there for probably a lot longer than I should have been. <laughs> I'm sure the security guards were like, okay, we will give this guy three more minutes and then we will personally kick him off the edge of the tower. <laughs> was that a German accent or French? Oh. <laughs> it's European. <laughs> I don't know about you guys if you've been to the top, but I remember it swaying. Now, it was a windy night, so I guess it makes sense. But uh, I, I asked the person, the tour guide, whoever it was, somebody who was working there, I said, uh, is this supposed to move like that? And they said, oh, yes, it is designed uh, to sway several inches, uh, unos centímetros para cada lado. And to sway is meterse o moverse de un lado para otro. So, okay, it didn't make me feel too much better, but at least I knew it was uh, designed like that. But it can be, I'm not really afraid of heights, I guess a little bit, like, uh, I respect heights, let's put it that way. But uh, it, was a, it was a moment where I was like holding on. <laughs> Estaba sujetando it. And the tower shrinks. What? Se encoge. Well, obviously, if it shrinks, that means it gets bigger as well and that's with the heat the tower since it's made of steel uh, it expands and contracts and it actually leans towards the sun towards or away i can't remember towards is hacia and away is eh, alejándose de so that's pretty um, impressive the tower has a life of its own i just looked it up it can grow up to 15 centimeters 
on a warm day. Yeah, it can get taller. (laughs) So the height I told you at the beginning of the episode can change depending on the heat. (laughs) That's incredible. Well, that's good. You want a building that adapts to nature. It doesn't fight against nature. As I said before, Gustav Eiffel loved science. He was fascinated with science, technology. You know, he was a guy who was (laughs) avant-garde, pun intended. Avant-garde, te suena en la vanguardia? He was avant-garde. And a little bit later on in the episode, we're going to take a look at some of these franchismos, no, francismos that we use in English because we use hundreds of words and idiomatic expressions in English that come from French. And obviously, we're going to pronounce them a la americana, but that's what we're learning here, English. If you want to learn French, well, you might be able to find for your French. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop doing my horrible French accent. So this, uh, this fascination with science led Gustav Eiffel to put a lab in the Eiffel Tower, a science lab. That's absolutely fascinating. And this lab was used by himself, obviously, and French scientists to study astronomy, meteorology, aerodynamics, physiology. I mean, they were even working with pendulums, as I said earlier, radio technology. So Eiffel was, I think, ahead of his time. In 1909, he installed an aerodynamic wind tunnel at the base of the tower, and they carried out, to carry out, as llevar a cabo, they carried out thousands of tests, including some tests on the Wright Brothers airplanes. So did you know that, that there's a Wright Brothers Eiffel Tower connection? (laughs) It's incredible. And to think that some people didn't want this monstrosity in their city. And it survived. And it didn't only survive, you know, complainers or critics, but it also survived Nazi occupation. That's right. The French resistance fighters, they cut the cables, los cables, muy fácil, of the Eiffel Tower's elevators. And this was so that Nazi officers and soldiers, if they wanted to go to the top, they had to go up the stairs. So uh, they said, okay, you've taken over our city. You're not going to take over our monument. And I thought that was an amazing symbol saying like, okay, that's ours no matter what. And it also showed this is temporary, buddy. We're going to take our country and our city back. And this monument was closed to the public during the Nazi occupation, which lasted from 1940 to 1944. As you can see, we pronounce, we don't say Nazi, we say Nazi, Nazi, like a T-S sound. And this is the, the best part. Hitler ordered the military governor of Paris at that time, Dietrich von Scholtitz, he ordered him to destroy the tower. He wanted him to tear it down, and of course, the whole city. (laughs) If he got his way, the whole city would be burned or torn down. Now, the good news was Dietrich von Choltitz did whatever he wanted. He said, yeah, okay, Hitler, 
I'll get to it tomorrow or the day after. And he never got around to it. Now, maybe it's because he fell in love with the Eiffel Tower, but he did not carry out Hitler's order. So another way that this tower almost lost its life. And I say life because I feel like it's a living organism. It's a living, breathing thing that has survived wars and seen so much as promised, now in Spanish you say lo prometido es deuda, we say in English as promised, we're going to take a look at some words and idiomatic expressions that we use from the French language, in English obviously. The first one I'm sure you know, I've heard you use it in Spanish, c'est la vie, c'est la vie. This is the American pronunciation, again, c'est la vie. I'll, I'll give you another way to say each thing as well. C'est la vie, we also say that's life. Eso es fácil. That's the way the ball bounces. That's the way the cookie crumbles. ¿Quieres más formas de decir así es la vida? Another one that we use is cul-de-sac. Some of my friends, when I was growing up, they lived on a cul-de-sac. We can say also a dead end. Or d'oeuvre, if you're going to throw a party. Remember, we don't make a party or do a party. We throw a party or have a party. You can serve hors d'oeuvres. Estos aperitivos eh, son un poco de hojaldre, hors d'oeuvres. Yummy. Is anybody else getting hungry? Well, I can make you a filet. <laughs> Filete. <laughs> we don't say filet. We say filet. Or maybe we can stop by the local buffet. <laughs> no buffet, buffet. And then after, we can go see the ballet. Unless ballet is not your thing and you want to go see a cabaret. <laughs> yeah, these are all words we use. Resume. There's another one with that A sound. Curriculum. Uh, deja vu. Deja vu. You say the same thing here in Spanish. It's when you feel like you've been through a situation before. You're like, wait, I've been here before in this situation. The next one, I love this one too. Je ne sais quoi. So I'll use it in context. You have a certain je ne sais quoi. Tienes algo especial, algo que no sé eh, cómo decirlo. I can't put my finger on it. You have something that makes you special. And we say you have a je ne sais quoi. We already looked at avant-garde. And, well, avant-garde is good if you're working in aviation. Oh, there's a French word, too. Or maybe if you're a chauffeur. <laughs> but either way, you want to look chic. Chic de moda. No, La ropa chic. Eh, se, se escribe chic, pero se pronuncia chic. Another one, debris. Esta es interesante porque tiene una S muda al final. Debris, escombros, basura. Debris. Facade. Sin decirte, ya sabes qué es. Facade. Fachada. Facade. Fiancé. Which I'm going to tell you all about that in a moment. How Diana became my fiancé. Mi prometida. It happened in Paris, gay Paris. Homage, an homage, un homenaje. You can say a tribute, but we also say an homage. One that I remember learning in history class is laissez-faire. Laissez-faire, I think translated to English would be live and let live or live and let do. 
Another one we use is rendezvous, which is an appointment or a meeting, right? We have a rendezvous this evening. And after that, we have a soiree, otra que usamos, una fiesta. But before that, let's go get a massage. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I like to get a massage before I go to my rendezvous and my soirees. And you're thinking, what the hell language are you speaking, dude? Another one, ricochet. Ricochet is cuando una bala hace chum, 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 rebotar. Ricochet. Risqué, que no es igual que risky. Risky es eh, con mucho riesgo, arriesgado. Risqué means eh, subido de tono, no picante. And I think that's all I can come up with. I know there are many, many more. We'll see which ones you can share with us on Instagram. And uh, next time you go to the Eiffel Tower, I hopefully, hopefully you guys will pick up a souvenir. <laughs> okay, I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> I'll wrap up the episode today telling you guys about how I popped the question to Diana. Now, to pop the question is to propose. I asked her to marry me. And it was uh, pretty crazy because I was thinking, where should I take her? Where, you know, I, it was a surprise. She had no idea where we were going until we got to the plane and it said Paris. And she said, oh, wow. And I should explain something. I did it around her birthday and Valentine's Day, which are her birthday and Valentine's Day are right near each other. So uh, I got a ring. I got everything. And I said, OK, we're going to Paris. We're going to stay, you know, right in the center. It's, it's really going to be an amazing trip. Romantic. A little cliche. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> Uh, a little bit cliche, but uh, hey, I think it's going to be special nonetheless. And so we went to the airport and you got to go through the security checkpoint. And I told the guy, listen, you know, I, I whispered in his ear and I said, listen, dude, I said, um, I've got a ring in there that she can't know about. Wink, wink, you know, guiñándole el ojo, like you get me. And he didn't. I was like, OK, let me explain. There's a ring in there. I'm going to propose to my wife, to, to my girlfriend, and I don't want her to see it. But if you want me to take it out, just letting you know so we could do it where she doesn't see it. <laughs> you know, and he goes, I said, I don't mind taking it out, but not in front of her. Like, porque si quieren que lo saque, lo tengo que sacar. I wasn't going to say, don't tell me to take it, but I said, it's a secret, okay? <laughs> don't let the cat out of the bag. Vamos. I tried to explain it like four or five different ways. Finally, the guy got it. And he was like, no, nah, he didn't open it or anything. He's like, okay, go right through. And we got there and, you know, I wanted her to have her guard down because I thought maybe she would be a little bit suspicious. But it was her birthday, remember? And Valentine's Day. Well, first Valentine's Day, her birthday came after that. But I told her, we're going for Valentine's Day and your birthday. So what I did was Valentine's Day came. You know, we, we actually uh, had dinner that night, Valentine's dinner looking at the Eiffel Tower, at the foot of the Eiffel Tower. That wasn't even planned, that part. That's why Paris is so amazing. It really is such a beautiful city, not just the Eiffel Tower. It's a city that, um, it's it's an art artistic city. It's a, a musical city. It's a city of engineering and technical know-how. I feel like Paris is so many things, as well as a tourist trap. <laughs> I mean, las cosas como son, as we say, let's call a spade a spade. So 
it was all set up. And the good thing is, after I hadn't proposed to her, you know, the 14th had gone by, the 15th, and she's like, oh, I guess he's not going to propose to me. I know this afterwards because her friend said, he's taking you to Paris, he's going to propose. She goes, no, it's for my birthday and for, you know, for uh, Valentine's Day. So once she let her guard down, okay, then I said, okay, it's time to attack. Now she thinks that, you know, it was just in her head and I wasn't going to propose to her. And sure enough, I proposed to her on the river, on the Seine, the Seine River. I don't even know how to pronounce that. <laughs> and it was absolutely beautiful. It was uh, overlooking, the, I could see the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower in the background. And she said yes. To make a long story short, as we say, she said yes. And it was just an amazing memory to, to you know, decide that we were going to get married in Paris, in the city of love, the city of, of light. And, okay, as I said, let's call a spade a spade. The moment I got out of the train station near my hotel, some woman tried to pickpocket me. Yeah, carterista, to pickpocket somebody. So I was like, oh, welcome to Paris. <laughs> it's nice to be here. <laughs> Rude Parisians, uh, costly prices, everything's really expensive, um, some pollution, you know, it's got its share of problems, Paris. But uh, again, it's like everything. It's what you choose to look at. I obviously was on my guard and I turned around and I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, you got the wrong guy. Like, um, I woke up very early today. I'm paying attention. <laughs> it was beautiful. I proposed to her. I got down on one knee. I'm, I'm a little bit traditional. You guys know me. And I popped the question. She said yes. She was in shock. So um, did I surprise her? Yes. <laughs> but at first I was worried that, you know, she was going to know. And you don't want her to know. I mean, she knew I was going to ask her to marry me. She just didn't know the the where and, and how. I always tell friends, if you're thinking of proposing to someone, the fact that you're proposing shouldn't be a surprise. The surprise should be the when uh, and how. The Because you should have talked about that before. Have you seen those videos? Videos where somebody's like, I want you to marry me. She's like, but I met you two weeks ago. <laughs> Well, to make a long story short, she said yes. We French kissed. Ooh, ahí tienes más. To French kiss. Besar con lengua. And the rest is history. Folks, as we say in English, and they lived happily ever after. I think you say in Spanish, y comieron perdices. I hope this episode has helped you fall in love with Paris and the Eiffel Tower. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of FYI.